0: Blog Talk Radio <laughs>
1: Radio Show. We are live here on this Friday, January 22nd, 2021. And we begin our show here tonight on a very somber note. Uh, The Major League Baseball Hall of Fame has once again experienced another uh, sad and tragic loss. uh, As today, uh, the baseball family mourned the loss of an all-time great, and Alan, one of my favorite players of all time, the Hammer, number 44, Henry Hank Aaron passed away today at the age of 86. Um, We're going to spend a portion of our show here tonight reflecting on Henry Aaron's career, also discussing um, Don Sutton, who passed away earlier this week as well. It has been a rough uh, last uh, six to eight months for Major League Baseball and for the Hall of Fame, and then we're going to have a special guest will be joining our show here this evening that I think everyone's gonna be very excited uh, to uh, to hear from so Alan, good evening partner. How are you tonight?
0: I'm doing well underneath the circumstances. Uh, you basically said it perfectly we ha- it's a kind of a bittersweet day today. We have a the loss of a legend Henry Hank Aaron, uh, somebody who I aspired to be. He was one of the people that helped me find baseball and, and make it my sport, and it's one of those things that I'm really happy, uh, I'm really sad about his passing, but I'm also glad that we're able to talk and get it off our chest about how, what he meant to us, maybe the legend that he really is, and we're able to show and have a special guest on our show tonight to include on this conversation, none other than, a late, none other than Darryl Strawberry himself. So that should be a great show for everyone to listen in today and have a, a great show today.
1: Now, we're very, uh, very excited here tonight to uh, to be bringing on actually a player that as a kid, uh, before I ever started following the Braves, um, Darryl Strawberry was one of my absolute favorite players. So I am thrilled beyond the giant smile on my face right now to have uh, Darryl on the show here tonight. Um, my – Young life, that, and I'll tell just a quick story before we bring him on here in a moment. My young life, when I was probably, I don't know, 8 or 10, somewhere in there, I was a left-handed throwing kid, and, you know, Daryl, left-handed throwing uh, player, and my grandfather bought me a, a, a glove that was, I want to say, like a Rawlings uh, Signature Series glove, and it had Daryl's uh, signature on the palm but it was for right-handed throwing kids, and I'm like, well, I'm left-handed. I can't do this, and I, I actually had to throw right-handed, and that's how I learned to, to throw right-handed. So um, that glove with Daryl's signature on the palm is actually what led me to, um, to turning into a uh, right-handed throwing uh, youngster all those years ago. So kind of a fun story there, uh, but we're pleased and extremely pleased. Alan, I know you and I cannot say enough how excited we are Daryl Strawberry is joining us here live this evening, and uh, we want to thank him so much for taking time out of his busy schedule with the new book out, for joining us here tonight on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio program.
0: Yes, indeed. You're absolutely right. And we're going to go ahead and actually bring him on the line, and we're going to bring him on at this time, the the great Daryl Strawberry.
2: Hey, good evening, guys. How are you doing?
0: Hey, how you doing so far tonight?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I appreciate okay. you guys having me on. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, where are you guys located at?
0: Well, we're right here on the Allen & Iron Sports Talk Radio, the podcast, and it's a new podcast that we've just started. We're delighted to uh, have you as a guest on our show, we're honored to, and we wanted to First and foremost, uh, get your thoughts on your, your thoughts about the baseball world and the passing of a legend today, Henry Hank Aaron. What are your thoughts and feelings about today?
2: Yeah, well, thank you for asking me about that. Uh, it's a sad day for you know, the baseball family. Um, you lose a, a great player, an all-time great player. Uh, but I think most of all, you you lose a true legend. You know who uh, uh, represented. Uh, not only baseball, but just represented life, I think, more than anything. And I think a lot of times we don't understand uh, players ahead of us in the history of them. But when you look at um, Hammer and Hank and you look at Jackie Robinson, they're the reasons why I was able to play Major League Baseball. They're the reasons other African-Americans are able to play sports. And I think a lot of times a lot of guys of today's generation don't really understand the importance of guys – uh, that have made the way for us to have the opportunity. I would have never had a uniform on had it not been for their courage and their faith and their strength, you know, and them believing and doing what was right, even when it was the most difficult times, you know, the most hateful times for them to be able to put a uniform on be of color and, and be called out of their name. And um, especially um, Jackie Robinson and then, Hank Aaron going for the record, the home run record, the King, Babe Ruth, and, you know, all the death threats he had and everything. And just just because he was playing a simple game that he, he loved doing it as a kid, like all of us, we have the opportunity to get, get on the baseball field or whatever field it is to, to play sports. It's, it's for the love of it. And I think they're no different than I was or anybody else was, but they uh, they truly, you know, made made it possible for everybody that that don't know everybody that is of color uh, they made the way for us to have the opportunity to play i wouldn't be wouldn't have never been able to have a seventeen year major major league career had it not been for guys like that so it's a sad day for the baseball family,
0: yes indeed, and um, you know definitely it's he's such an inspiration and and somebody that a lot of people you know. I don't think they understand how great of a guy Hank Aaron was, both not just on the field, but what he had to endured during the time of just going after the record and his talent. You know, you can speak most of it. Have you or what are some of the experiences you've had as a guy who's just very talented just trying to play baseball? Can you shed some light on how it was for yourself being a you know black man playing baseball in the major leagues?
2: Yeah, it was very hard. It was very difficult, even though the time was different. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not usually it's not usually fans in our our say of our times. It's usually the media. The media always have a way of um, picking at um, African American players and saying they're not fulfilling their potential. Well, what is fulfilling your potential? You know, what what do you really know and understand about how hard it really is? Because you sit, you know, from far away and you have a pad to write about it and you have a pen to write about us and you don't really know and understand how difficult the game is. You know, I remember going through the minor leagues um after my rookie season in the minor league from Kingsport, Tennessee, I went to Lynchburg, Virginia and man, I, I had I had some real troubles, man. I had a lot of people up in the stands, you know, calling me boys and the ends and races. the racial things that were being said to me, the slurs that was being said to me, just because I was playing baseball, you know, and I had signed a, like, so-called big contract at that time coming out of high school. Um, Had to deal with a lot, you know, and I came close to quitting baseball, and a lot of people don't know that, but I talk about it from time to time, and I came close to quitting. I told the New York Mets, you know, I really don't think this is for me. I I was going to go back to school and probably play some basketball and, and do something else in another direction, but they asked me to give it another year, and then I went to Jackson, Mississippi in 1982, and I Won the Texas League MVP, and I became a baseball player. I didn't become a man, but I became a baseball player, and I figured I can go on from there, and maybe make it to the big leagues quick. So I spent one more month in Triple A the next year. And I was in the big leagues at the age of 21. So it was always challenging for me, but at the same time, like I said, it's it's always the the media, what they write about you, and what they say about you. It's just crazy. It's crazy being in sports and have to deal with that. And people say, well, you get paid the big bucks to do, do that. You know, we get paid to do what we do as far as on the field. And, of course, we try to do our best out there. But at the same time, you know, they have the rights to say whatever they want about you.
0: Yeah, and and I, I agree with you. It's just it's unfair because, you know, you're a person who's very talented in playing baseball and you're just doing what you love and what you enjoy and you're obviously very, very good at it. Speak a little bit about that, about how it was unfair getting criticism from people who have just a pen and paper. They might know the stats about game. They might know the history, but they never actually been on the field and played on the field like yourself. When you hear criticism from the media, what are your first additional thoughts that come to your mind?
2: Well, your first thoughts is not to talk to them anymore. (laughs) You know, just turn away (laughs) from them and and just be done with them, you know, and – you know some guys some guys drill into you just because they can and, and they want to get at you and you know i i learned that a lot playing in new york city it's 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 full of media outlets there so you're going to have to deal with so many people and you know the thing is the criticism is is always going to be there and i, and I get that and i understand that but i think i don't think they know how hard it is to play the game i i think they see us and they think well you're talented and you should be able to make that play every time. Well, that's not going to happen every time. You know, sometimes you're going to boot a ball. Sometimes you're going to strike out with the bases loaded. Sometimes you're going to just have a hard time and you're going to go two for 30. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I don't think they understand how difficult it is if, you, if they were out there playing and, and seeing what it's really like. You know, you're you're out there playing and everybody's good. It's not just you. You know, everybody that plays at those levels, are good. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be there if they wasn't good. So, I think you don't I think a lot of times they don't understand that. They just think, "Well, your talent looks like it's so far greater than the next talent." It doesn't matter if your talent is far greater than the next talent. You still got to compete against the best. You know, and I think a lot of times they don't realize that you're going against the best of the best when you're performing out there.
0: Yeah, and that's so so true. I mean, you have men on base it's the playoffs and they just think that someone should just be you should just be able to crank it out of the ballpark just because your name is dallas strawberry but the guy who's playing against you got drafted and he's getting millions of dollars to strike you out uh, you know yeah it's, it's just, not it's, it's not
2: that it's not that easy it's not that easy <laughs> i mean yeah, i know it, they think it, it is not. it looks easy it looks easy at times but it's really not that easy No, absolutely, and
0: definitely you're you're absolutely right. I mean, that's why I have so much respect for baseball players and athletes because I've played baseball. I haven't played a profession, but I've worked real hard to get a scout to look at me. scout looked at me and and gave a second look, and that was pretty much it. And that's the only thing. I mean, I know it's not an easy game to play, and it's definitely not an easy game to go ahead and have accomplishments like yourself and, and Hank Aaron. Have you had an opportunity to meet Hank Aaron?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, We've met Hank a lot of of times. Um, Hank was a very pleasant man, you know, that loved the baseball family. And he cherished every player and and didn't criticize anyone. You know, like a lot may criticize players because of, you know, the salary they're making and, and the time. This is just a different time he was never one of those guys, you know, he was always around the game. He was always, always around the fans and people. So, you know, he was just a different breed. He grew up in a different time and it didn't grow up in a time where it was social media, internet and outlets like most people have today. And they utilize that for, you know, their platforms and everything. Do they utilize it for good? Maybe some do, maybe some don't, but you know, they didn't have that. So it was, they didn't have to worry about, you know, that kind of recognition of people liking me or not, you know. So I'm quite sure they 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 had a struggle in what they had to go through as far as Hank playing, you know, Hammer and Hank playing, playing Major League Baseball. But when you look at his, his career, it speaks for itself. So it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You know, how can a guy be so little and hit 755 home runs? Well, because he had – his wrist was quick you know he just had that eye you know eye coordination where he can hand eye coordination where he could just see the ball coming in and see the threads and just pop it you know and that's just that's the way it is with baseball players
0: yeah I mean you're absolutely right and you know he got some great vision and great great eyesight and I wanted to uh go ahead and Aaron's on the line now I wanted to give him an opportunity to to ask you a question. I know he's a huge fan of, of everything you've done and I want to give Aaron an, an opportunity to ask you a question there, Darrell.
2: Sure, go ahead.
1: Dale, Dale. good evening. How are you tonight?
2: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Aaron?
1: I'm doing great and I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to spend with us here uh, this evening. You mentioned uh, a few moments ago you know, Hank Aaron and what he uh, allowed and, and paved the way uh, for the African-American ballplayers. Uh, such as yourself and, you know, your, your buddy like uh, Gidden and some of the other players that came up in the 70s and 80s. When you went to Los Angeles, and I believe it was 1990, I believe you wore number 44. Was that any relation to Hank Aaron, or was it just the number they assigned to you when you went out to Los Angeles?
2: No, it was the number 44 because it was the number of uh, Eric Davis who wore 44 because of Hank Aaron. And me and Eric mm-hmm. Davis grew up in – we were best friends, and when I mm-hmm. switched over, they someone had number 18 already out there. Uh, I think one of the coaches mm-hmm. had 18, so I, I just selected 44, you know, because my good friend, uh, Eric Davis, wore 44 because of Hank Hank wow. Okay, so that's, a, that's
1: an interesting story,
2: yeah.
1: Eric Davis, and I remember him with the Reds for all those years. Um, tall, Lincoln, ball player, kind of like yourself, long arms, long legs, and very – very athletic. So, um, I want to ask you this. This is a question that I always, when a famous moment or a big moment in in a sports game happens, you know, we all remember where we were when such and such event took place. When the ball got through Buckner's legs in the '86 World Series, where were you at? Like, where where were you standing? What were you seeing? What was your vantage point when that moment occurred in the '86 World Series?
2: Well I was in a clubhouse uh with uh Hernandez the first baseman Keith. We were in the clubhouse yeah, Keith, watching mm-hmm. the game unfold, watching the game unfold in the clubhouse uh because I got double switched in the game, and I wasn't too thrilled about it because I figured you know if we're gonna lose, I want to be on the field, but it all worked out for the best and you know watching that <laughs> watching that play watching that play unfold it was just it was it was unbelievable but Bill Buckner should have never took the persecution and the hits that he took for that because he was a phenomenal ball player. See, I think a lot of people don't know baseball when they just think one player make an error in a crucial situation. Um, He's nothing. I mean, when a guy has been successful at that level as hard as it is, and you make a play like that and try to make a play, and I can understand trying to make a play. He had to beat Mookie Wilson to the base because Mookie's fast, you know, so he was trying to get the get the ball before he had it to beat him to the base and it just went under his glove. And it was just unfortunate mm-hmm. break for him at that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you're right about that, but it worked in your favor. Needless to say, congratulations on that world series. And I also, you know, you're in, you know, you're definitely an inspirational guy yourself and the way that you've turned around your life and, and do such great things in the community as well as faith and and, I, you know, I follow you, and I wanted to get your insight. How was that experience for you to go to Jerusalem and that experience with your wife to see the, you know, the, Jesus, his, his uh his headband? And, and definitely how was that experience going to Jerusalem?
2: It was the most incredible trip I ever had in my life, and I always thought about what it would be like going to the Holy Land. And it's just different. You know, the people there are are so such wonderful people. Uh they live their life together. Um, they don't live separate. You know, they live in separate homes, but they don't live separate. They 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 know who they are. They know they're one people. Um and I, I always wish, you know, after being there and seeing that, I wish I said, I wish the United States was like that. You know, people would be mm-hmm. one together and, and come together and live in this nation here. But we don't, but um, there it was just like, man, this would be a great place to live, you know, but I'm not Jewish. You know, you got to, you know, it's, 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 it's the Holy land. It's a God chosen people. And I think people don't recognize that they're the chosen people. God said it himself. And so it's a place where it's different. Like I said, the living quarters is so, so, so much different. They don't live uh, fancy lives. You don't see a lot of fancy big multi-million dollar homes and stuff like you see here and stuff like that. And, and people don't, people don't live for notoriety there. They, they, they live for, you know, just being simple people. And, you know, if, if some, if, if anyone's listening and you got somebody ever get a chance, you need to go there. If you ever get the opportunity to go there, because it would just blow you away about the way the Jewish people live and, and how they think, you know, and, and um I, I see why you know see why God's God blesses them because of their humility and they're so humble and they're so gracious and you know, they don't have this like bitterness and hatred towards each other like we do here in the States.
0: Wow, sounds like a great place to visit. They inspired me to go and visit and it seemed like it's a breath of fresh air to go to Jerusalem and, and yeah. see the sights and see the people and I'm inspired already and I'm going to go ahead and talk to my wife so we can go down there ourselves. And and I definitely wanted to get your insight and your inspiration on writing your newest book, Turn Your Season Around, which I have in my hand right now. Tell us about what brought about writing this new book.
2: Well, I know you have it. Is this Alan?
0: Yes, yes, yes.
2: I, I know you have because you wrote me on social media, so I, I responded <laughs> to you to see. see? So you, so, <laughs> So you can see, so you can understand what kind of guy I am. Right? Just, you know, a lot of people say things, but they just say them just to be saying them. And, and I'm very careful about who I, you know, connect with and everything, because I try to give out the positive affirmation about life, you know, for people so they can really come to the understanding of this, this grace that that. that that's been given to us, we don't deserve it, and God gives it to us anyway, and do we utilize it when we really understand it? And that's what happened to me. I came to a place of understanding. I've been rich. I've been famous. I've been privileged. I've had a bunch of stuff. I I I lived that life, but I lived the heathen life a sinner, a womanizer, alcoholic, drug addict, saved by grace. And when I understood the grace and understood the cross and the symbol of the cross of Jesus hanging there, it it, it turned my life around forever because that was a holy man hanging on the cross. And he went to the tomb and he got up early Sunday morning. And when he got up, he got up with all power in his hand. He was resurrected. So that means we get to die and he will heal us and resurrect us into the new that we were created from the beginning. I think a lot of us don't know from the beginning, we were created to walk with God, but we fell into sin. We fell into sin, which keeps us separated from God. And I think so many people don't, Understand that or don't want to believe that but I know for myself because I lived in it And I know God gave me grace because I didn't deserve it You know through addiction and through cancer twice and losing my left kidney in my second surgery So I know that I'm a living miracle and I'm a testimony of what God is really all about And I want to make sure before I get out of here because I'm getting out of here. This is not home I'm getting out of here I want to make sure that I share the good news that I share the gospel with many as people as possible, so they can know that God loves them regardless of whatever you've gone through or you've been through.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely correct, and you said it so wonderfully. And and that's some great things that you mentioned. That uh, you know, a lot of people they. <laughs> it's good that you mentioned about social media. A lot of times, especially now with the political stuff going on, and people are some people are happy or unhappy, and. As you mentioned, we, we connected on social media, and people don't understand that their words are powerful, and you never know who's listening or, or watching. You just never know. And that's the grace of God that sometimes it could be your words can inspire someone, and it also could turn someone off. So right. you're absolutely right about that, that, you know, the word and in, in the power in the in the power of your tongue. And you mentioned that, you know, you, you're going... And before you go there, is there anything that you have on this earth that you still inspire to do?
2: Yeah, I'm inspired to uh, keep winning souls, you know, at the end of the day, because that's what you get accounted for. You know, we don't get accounted for the trophies and the success, you know, that we have here. That's an earthly thing. Um, Earthly people have a tendency of gluing themselves to that and holding on to that. But, you know, when you, understand, so when you understand God and you start understanding the Bible, you'll start to understand he's talking about kingdom things. He's talking about doing your work here to show the love, you know, regardless of people not loving you or regardless of, you know, what somebody else is going through. And, you know, people, I don't get into politics, but, uh, that political stuff. I stay out of that. People get on my page. I just delete them because I don't have time for that. I'm not into none of that stuff. I'm into what God has called me to do. Stay focused. On who I am in Christ And what my purpose is here Is to share the good news The gospel with people So they can understand That God loves them Regardless of um, Where you've been I mean, because we've all been somewhere Because if, if, if God pulled the cover From underneath all of us We would all be dead <laughs> <You> Yeah
0: <know>? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right I mean, you know and that's the, the grace that God gives a lot of people. And they don't understand that, that God loves you, regardless of what you've done in the past, what you're going to do in the future. He loves you, and he wants to have bless you and grace, give you grace and mercy. And and that's the thing. Is, and you're a true testament to that, because the great thing about Daryl Silver's story is that you've been at the highs and lows, so you know how it is. Being you know hitting those home runs, and also how it feels on the other side, so you know you're an inspiration too, and I definitely think that you know how is everything with your wife and your family
2: Tracy everything's great you know my everything's great. My wife is a beautiful woman who loves the Lord, she's a pastor um she's always fired up about helping people and doing great things here. Um, In in Missouri and when we travel uh, to do ministry together and stuff like that and and you know just to encourage people you know God is not mad at nobody and Our society think he's mad at people and this is why we're going through what we're going through No, the reason why we're going through because we're sinful nation Okay I mean, we, we're very, we, we're, we're, active in sin. We're living in sin. You're, you know, you're having any kind of old way and living in old kind of way. So God says, go ahead. God says, go ahead. He'll turn people over to their reprobated mind and let them go. And he wants you to come back and ask him to forgive you. But if you want to stay there and you don't want the victory, you don't want to live a fruitful life and freedom. And that's your choice. It's the free will. It's just like anything else, you know, whatever you, choose to do when I when I was making the choice to live a life like I was separated from God. I had a free will, and guess what? It's costly. You know, for the wages of sin is death. It's costly. People don't think it's death. It kills you at the end of your life or before you before your time. And I think so many people have lost their life before time because they wouldn't they wouldn't pay attention. You know, and I just want to encourage people. I'm no better than anybody else. I finally got on God's team and I pay attention to what's really going on. And it's not about these earthly things. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's about us loving people and caring for people. And I think guys, as we talk tonight, people have gotten away from that. You know, people are so driven, you know, through the social media about fighting about who's who and what's what. Guess what? Everybody's going to die. I don't, you, we see, we see people dying and leaving. Um, Hank Aaron leaving today, I'm on on my way. I'm I'm around the corner somewhere, just like everybody else. You're around the corner somewhere. So you better start thinking about the reality of what really matters, you know, what matters, what comes out of your mouth, and how do you see people. And I always tell people, stop pointing fingers at people, because guess what? Three fingers are pointing right back at you.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's just the the right thing to say, and just – you're right. People are so worried about materialistic things, about how they look, and social media, you know, and things are, you know, they're, they're losing focus, and it's not, all of this stuff is is just temporary, and our show, the Alan Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, was motivated because me and Aaron, to start our show, because somebody, a mutual friend of ours for both of us, so for many, many years, unfortunately committed suicide, and And that's what motivated us to start this show. And we wanted to kind of bring a voice to people like yourself and, and inspire people in a lot of positive directions. And, and that's one thing I wanted to get your insight on is for somebody who has those unfortunate thoughts of maybe ending their life too early or, or committing suicide. What are your thoughts on somebody maybe preventing them from maybe making that bad choice?
2: Well, Well, thank you guys for sharing that of who you guys are. And I really applaud you guys for that because that's, that's what's important. That's important for us to care and have a voice and carry a voice like you guys are doing. And myself, what we do is, is we love people right where they're, where they're at. And we love to, we have to love to be able to love them right where they're at, but we have to be able to learn how to really listen to what people are saying. See, I've been in this field forever, you know, with, people with addiction and suicide thoughts and, um, brokenness and everything else. And I had treatment centers down in Florida before, and I dealt with these kind of, um, situations before. And what me and my wife came to understanding is people need people to listen to them, not talk over them. And I think a lot of times when persons have a problem in the midst of suicide thoughts and drug problems, nobody want to listen to them. Everybody wants them. Well, don't just don't do that. Um, there's something behind there there's something behind them when we listen to them and and hear them and and when you and when you really start hearing people and you start telling them okay I understand how you feel like this now you get their attention now they are up to talk to you about more stuff because now they finally realize that he's listening to me so i would just encourage you guys to continue to be that way i'm sorry for your loss um i lost a lot of kids too i know when I was working in this field about addiction and they always addicted to opiates and heroin and, and they just wanted to die. And, and I had to battle so many of them, lost so many of them, but I also helped save so many of them, you know, by just listening to them and loving them and trying to find out the broken part of what happened to you. Because there's something that happens to a person when they go in deep depression. Uh, some stuff is uh, more serious than us... Th- for us to be able to handle mental illness is real, you know, that, that has to be dealt with through medicine, doctors and stuff like that. But uh, some parts of it, you know, is, is just natural of us being who we are and being able to say, I just want to know what happened to make you feel this way. Cause when I, when I was dealing with young girls that were 19, uh, 19, 20 years old coming in treatment centers, they have OD three or four times already. And I said, well, sit down, I sat down at the lunch table and the cafeteria with him. I say, so tell me what happened. Why drugs? Drugs is drugs is the behavior of who you are. Why are you using it? I know that. Why are you really using it? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, what happened to you? I said, I use drugs because my father beat the crap out of me and told me I never amount to nothing. I was wounded inside. So you're wounded inside for you're using so much drugs and you OD in two or three times. What happened? And then they get into the stories of telling me, well my grandfather raped me and this guy raped me and that guy did this to me. I said, now that's where your real problem is. And they just start coming, you know, coming to weeping, you know, and crying because now they, there's a freedom that they can they can get set free because the problem is deeper than just using or whatever someone is going through.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's so true that, you know, some people don't, you, they don't tell you everything initially and you have to kind of get below the surface to find the real root of the the issue and and you find out that it's you know a lot of times there is a reason behind people's actions and we sometimes are scared because we don't understand those reasons but you know you, i mean it's just how was that the, the one you mentioned that od a few times how, how are they doing now
2: uh, most, of them, some, most of them have done well. Uh, most of the guys have overdosed and, and lost their life because they wouldn't um, trust the process of uh, staying clean. And they had to stay clean because if you don't stay clean, you know, it's a, gen, it's a new generation, you know, a new, new generation of kids. When you have a generation of kids today, they're they're very, um, they're very strong. You know, their IQs are very strong, very smart, you know, and, and they're antisocial. You know, they don't really have a lot of conversation. They are um, social media driven and cell phone texting driven and all that stuff, Internet. And, and that's why it's a lot of problems inside of them because they don't know how to have a conversation. So I used to break the ice to have the conversation with them so they can be, feel free to talk, you know, me just listening. So tell me about yourself and just listen and and then tell me what hurts you. You know, you ask a few questions and then you start getting in there and they start opening up and telling you because now all of a sudden I'm listening to them.
0: Yes. And that's right. People just want a voice to somebody to hear them and to actually listen to them, not talk over them and and that's so ins- inspirational. I think Aaron has a question for you. Uh
1: Daryl, so you are obviously now um Definitely admire what you do, you've been through a lot. Like you mentioned, you've had the highs and the lows and the in-betweens as well. Um, you're an inspiration to those who are struggling or to those who are maybe at that low point in life. Tell us a little bit about maybe someone or some in- different individuals that maybe, when you were at the low end of life, were there to pick you up and there to uh, you know, steer you in the, in the direction that you've been able to go uh, these last uh, many years.
2: Well, the main person was my wife. She loved me, but she didn't tolerate me, <laughs> if I can
0: <laughs> say that.
2: <laughs> you know, she loved me in my mess, but she didn't. She didn't tolerate the mess. You know, which was good because a lot of times we have people just accepting everything and enabling us to continue to stay in that poor me, poor me, because poor me another drink. You know, that's what we say all all the time. Will happen when we didn't play support me and she was just like she just like pointed a finger at me and said you got to grow up and you got to take that baseball uniform off yeah. yeah she said you 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 you've identified yourself the wrong person you know god's got a greater plan for you i've never heard no one tell me take the b- baseball uniform off i was already with the uniform off but i was you still wear what you do i think a lot of us wear what we have done instead of who we really are. And so I, I had to come to a place of learning who I who I really am. And, and it was because of her love. It was because of her, you know, coming at me, you know, very strong, which was needed to help me understand, you're not a baseball player no more. You know, everybody could rave about your baseball career and stats, but you do not play anymore. That's over. And a lot of times people can't get past that part of who they are That's over. Now step into the new. And that's for all of us. We have to learn how to step into the new of who we are every day because God's got something new for us every day. (laughs) Excuse me, guys. Yeah. So what I'm saying is what I'm 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 trying to say is what what I was saying is uh, more than anything, it's it's about about people helping people. And my wife Mm -hmm. was like one of the key people in my life you get the right people in your life to help you shape you and help mold you into who you're supposed to be
0: yeah that's powerful and kudos to tracy i mean wow you know uh, you know that's that's a lie to that i'm gonna definitely remember you don't play baseball anymore that's over now here comes the new life and i think people get into that rut where they say i you know they start their mind wonders I used to hit all these home runs. I used to have a crowd of people and and all these you know, all these great things and and they just wanna live in the past and they don't understand that that's a baseball career, no matter how great you are, is a career for a certain period of time. It's not forever. And that's that's yeah. that's great advice your wife gave you.
2: It only lasts for yeah. so long and and it's over. You know, you gotta you gotta cross over into real life, uh, no matter who you are, no matter how great you've been, you know you you can always go back and. But am I am I going back to hold up the trophies, or am I going back to hold up the principles of life? What is the real principles of life? And mm-hmm. I I just believe the principles in, in the foundation was built on God principles. I just believe we've gotten away from them, and so many people have lost their life because they never came to the place of trusting and believing. And I think the reason why my life is different today is because I came to the place of trusting and believing that God was greater than anything else around me. And, you know, it it fulfilled the promises that were over my life. You know, the promises wasn't the baseball the promises was the man I am today. This is what my mother prayed for. My mother prayed when I, when she was dying and my sister found the journal under her bed and she was praying that God would knock me off of my throne and my fame, and my fortune, and bring salvation to my life, and he would use me. And she told me before she passed away. She passed away at the age of 55. She told me, she said, God is going to get it out of you. You know, and she was right. And here I am today. Here I am today, an evangelist. I traveled, you know, 250 times out of the year when the when the country was open, and it was just it's nonstop. It's been like over... 13 years of preaching the gospel nonstop from God himself, supernaturally called me into ministry to do what I'm doing. And so it's because I came to, I came to the place of believing, you know, I I wanted to get out of the sinful life. I'm a sinner guys. I'm always going to be a sinner. We all are, but I just don't practice anymore. If that, if that makes sense to you.
0: Yeah, no, it does. It does. I mean, man, I, I didn't, even during these times of Corona, you still travel, a lot
2: now no i didn't, I didn't travel this year um uh, the past year 2020 i mean i did everything online uh but okay. before that 2019 and the other years you know it's just it's been that's my travel schedule you know and now it's starting to book up for 21 because everybody think it's opening it back up and you know they yeah. want me to come to their their church and preach you know and be a, be a part of the ministry to help people so uh that's pretty cool, man. It's, really, really, it's, a, it's a lot better than a baseball career, I can tell you that. A uh, baseball career has a lot of temptations in it and a lot of bad temptations. Sports, athletes, you know, they, they find themselves in a lot of trouble, and you see that a lot, you know, when you go, go through sports. and players, you know, because trouble is out there and trouble is waiting for them and, you know, was waiting for me when I was out there. It hasn't changed. It's never going to change. It's always going to be out there for them. So, you know, I'd rather be on this side doing what I'm doing instead of worrying about, you know, playing sports and saying, look at me, you know, I'm such and such, you know. I wouldn't want to play in these times of social media and all these different outlets because anything you say wrong, it just goes wild.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right about
1: gotta that.
2: I've
1: got to ask uh, you yeah, one last question here tonight. My, um, my oldest son, 15 years old, uh, they announced today at his high school that he – has made the, uh, the baseball team. So I'm certainly a very proud dad here tonight. And i, I got to ask you this. As someone who was a um, you know, top draft pick, yeah, I believe you were 1980, if I remember correctly, um, if you were standing in front of um, maybe the top prospects, maybe the top 10 or 15 guys that might go in the first round of the next draft or maybe just a class of high school kids, what advice would you give them to separate baseball versus just life in general? Because life gets hard. Obviously, we've seen that, and you mentioned the temptations that come along with, you know, being famous and getting the attention of everyone. What would be the specific things that you would just say, hey, guys, I want you to watch out for this pitfall or that pitfall
2: as their career proceeds forward? That's a really good question. And, you know, the thing that I would tell the young guys from after experiencing life like that, I would tell them build a foundation with Christ in your life. So you can have a real solid foundation that will not move you, even if you make it to that level. Because I got a chance to see two guys on my team in the 80s that lived for Christ, and they were great baseball players, Mookie Wilson and Gary Carter. I saw them live a life totally different from all the rest of us, and I was impressed. I wanted what they had. I just didn't have the guts to do what they were doing. And I would tell kids, your foundation is going to be the most important thing, in your life, in your foundation with Christ, and living on some real principles, because there is no other principles. Worldly principles are are just just there. Do whatever you want, you know. So I would, if they can learn that early to get into a relationship with God and walk with Him and learn to trust Him, believe in your talent. It doesn't take away from your talent, but it's gonna it's gonna steer you the right way. It's gonna keep you on the right track. It's gonna keep you from going into places cuz young people don't understand Delilahs and Jezebels are real out there they're all over the place looking for a uniform and they love a guy in a the uniform they don't care if you're married or not they just want to have fun and young young athletes don't don't think they would fall into that but you do fall into that because they look good they dress up real good and they smell good for you and they taste good and you'll find yourself falling into that pattern before you know it you'll be in the world of trouble
0: that's words to live by right there, and, man, that's powerful. And I I have to say, I, even though I've seen you do some remarkable things on the baseball field, I've never seen you happier than you have been finding Christ. It just, You can just see it as a glow on you, and you just, you're just, just happy, and you seem like you're at peace with life. It's just a
2: remarkable. You know, it's yeah, just, it's just well, a, because Christ, incredible. Because Christ, when you're in Christ, you're rich. You know, you're rich in spirit. You're rich in joy. Um, it's not material things because you know that you're not going to stay here. And you know that he's got something far greater for you after you leave here, and you realize that this is just this is just a pass through. So I need to pass through here and really keep the joy of, of really what's important and focus on what he's called me to do.
0: That's outstanding, and and you inspired me to go to Jerusalem and. And do what God has, has appointed us to do, and given us grace to do, and listen more to what He has to say, and just follow Him. And and man, I wish there's a way that you know, definitely, if anybody's listening, to get his get to to support his book, turn your season around. I can't wait till I, I ask you to sign this face to face, whenever that might be. Are you going to be in the Tampa area <laughs> anytime soon?
2: I, I may, I may be down there sometime uh, in the near future, you know, when things start to open back up and clear back up for everybody. So I do get down there a few times in that area. That's awesome. I'll definitely look forward to it. I'll let you know. I'll give you, I I will let you know. Since you reached out to me, I will definitely let you know, Alan.
0: Oh, I really appreciate that. I mean, definitely. I, I will, that would be a great, great to have you sign this book and face to face and, and talk to you and, and tell Tracy we, we're inspired by her, too. She, she's right there with you. And and may God continue to bless you and your wife, your family, and your health. And, you know, I know that you have a bigger purpose and you're not you're not afraid of the next level. But while you're here, we, we are honored to have you on our show here, the Allen & Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. It's a true blessing. And iron sharpens iron. So it definitely your words and your presence have meant a lot to us today on this show.
2: Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out, Alan. Aaron, thanks for being on the show and asking those questions. It's very important. That's Definitely awesome. very much appreciate it. And we, we
1: hope to talk to you again, uh, Daryl. Thank you so, so much for uh, being on here with us this evening.
2: All right. Thank you, guys. Continue, man. Continue to do the great work. Proud of you guys.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. We will. Thank you. Definitely. You inspired <laughs> us.
2: <laughs> All right. You got it. Take care.
0: You got, take care. God bless. Have a great
2: night. All right,
1: bye. Take care. All right, Alan. So yeah. that was uh, just a remarkable uh, interview. Um, I know we have looked forward to. We've actually spoken about talking to Daryl for for a little while now. So this was uh, certainly a great um, great opportunity to talk. We, you know, you and I, we have our own conversations outside of sports sometimes, and I think that what he just illustrated there to us and underscored to us, especially on this day where we lost, you know, a legend in Hank Aaron. He underscored probably the thing that I think Hank Aaron stood for more than anything else, and that is people matter. And Daryl Strawberry's career was a great one, certainly. My no stretch was a, a bad career. He is using his platform now for the positive things through Christ and through, you know, his own troubles and, tribulations that he had through the years to positively impact those who may be going through something similar or maybe thinking about going through something similar. So um, both of us here uh, tonight, we'd really thank so much Daryl Strawberry for spending about 45 minutes with us here on the program. We hope we can speak to him again in the future meeting face-to-face. I know that I'd be uh, very ecstatic about that, and I know, uh, Alan, you would as well. And we started to kind of get into this before. Um, this has been a really rough last several months. you I mean, go back to August, and Bob Gibson passed away. Um, Tom Cedar passed away, I believe it was the summer. Um, you know, just this year alone, we've already lost uh, Tommy Lasorda, who was actually Darrell's manager in Los Angeles for a few years. And on top of that, um, earlier this week, Don Sutton, who I never saw him pitch, never saw him play, but... For about 20 years, he was the voice of uh, narrating my summers as a kid growing up on PBS watching the Braves. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher, 75 years old. He passed away, I believe, on Tuesday. And um, i always remember just the way he, as a former pitcher and now an analyst, described what he was seeing from a player's perspective You know, to, to kind of allow us as fans to get a little bit of insight more than just watching the game and figuring it out for ourselves. So, so he passed away on, um, on, I believe it was Tuesday. Uh, we talked about Phil Necro here a few weeks ago. And then, of course, uh, I was actually sitting at my desk around probably 1030 this morning, and I happened to look down at my phone and said Hank Aaron had passed away. And he meant so much to the game of baseball. But I think more importantly, Alan, we talked about him as a human being. He was a great human being. He meant so much to so many people, and the time that he grew up in, and Daryl alluded to this before, the time that he grew up in when we had, you know, the separate drinking fountains and the separate bathrooms and some of the things people called him, the death threats that he received as he approached, you know, Babe Ruth's home run record, and then he pushed through it all. I'm sure it weighed on him for sure, but he wasn't the one who was going to snap back. He handled it with such class. And even as he got older and you know all these things came back up again as Barry Bonds approached the record, Hank Aaron handled it with such class. What did Hank Aaron mean to you?
0: Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And, and, and Daryl alluded it to it tremendously. What, what Hank Aaron meant to me is a guy who, unfortunately, he was very talented, but at the same token, at the time he was playing baseball – He was, he was black, and I don't mean it in a negative way. I just mean it like he's a black guy who loved baseball and he could hit a home run. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's really you know that's and he just wanted to play baseball and and then when he got close to Babe Ruth, somebody who I admire. I watched some of the videos of Babe Ruth. I you know I'm a Babe Ruth fan. I even have a little Funko of Babe Ruth. So it's not like he wasn't going after a record of somebody I didn't admire. But it just was unfair what happened to, to Hank and the, the, the death threats. You know, I watched documentaries on, on Hank on the death threats and the insults and the N-word. And, and you know, nowadays if you say stuff like that, you liable get kicked out of the, the, the stadium. But back then it was no yeah. old barred. You could say whatever you want to say. And he had to endure that and still hit, as Daryl mentioned, how tough it is to hit, to play in the major league. Like, you can be great, but the guy who's trying to get you out is great, too. It's not like, you know, they're yeah. just putting it on a, a tee and saying, okay, hit a home run now, Hank. You know, it's not like that. He He had to deal with the outside world just playing baseball. An innocent kid just playing baseball. And he inspired me because he didn't – he acts with so much class and dignity. He could have got angry at somebody and, and respond and he didn't, he just acted with class. And even when he broke Babe Ruth's record, he said something that I think people to this day should take to take to heart. And he was like, okay, you know, I got the record. Now we could just go on with our lives and move on. Like, he wanted the attention to shy away from him. Like, okay, it's, it's done already. It's kind of like how I feel today. Like, okay, whether you're the, the president of Trump, you know, fan, or you're Biden fan or not, or either way, it's over now. Like, okay, let's just move on with our lives. Just, just go on. You know, there's going to be presidents that you voted for. There's going to be presidents that you didn't vote for. Got it. Let's just move on. And as Darrell mentioned, there's a bigger purpose in life. We're all going to, unfortunately, die, but what you do during this life is what really matters. And he was a true testament to just handling that negative energy. And, you know, once you got a chance to get past the fact that he was a black guy and you actually listened to him, I, I find it hard to believe that you would have animosity towards Hank. He was just a classy guy. You know, he always would say the right things. Even when his record got broken and it was he just was just a, a class act. And that's the guy that I'm really gonna miss. Kid who just wanted to play baseball and he didn't ask for all this attention. He got it because he could he was very very talented. And I just love the fact that, you know, Eric Davis as well as Dallas Strawberry war number forty four in tribute to to Hank Aaron, and he is, man, a, a true legend of baseball and somebody really, really going to be missed.
1: Well, Alan, I, I told um, a former um, co-worker of ours, uh, still co-worker of mine, I told her I'd mentioned the name this evening, uh, Sharon Tatum. Um, <laughs> I was speaking with her yeah. earlier today, and she actually sent me a message, you know, saying, hey, I don't know if you heard that, that Hank Aaron passed away, um, I told her I said I always as a kid, would tell people I got my name Aaron from hank aaron that 's how I always would say hey you 've heard of hank aaron that's that 's my first name is Aaron, so um the things that I always found remarkable about, uh, remarkable about him were just as you said, he was so uh so classy he he definitely held himself to a higher standard uh he wanted to basically he he loved those even though they didn 't maybe love him he showed and it, basically, I'm gonna love others the way I want to be treated, or be, be loved myself. Some remarkable things about him as an athlete, though. You know, he wasn't the biggest guy. I mean, he was six foot one, 180 pounds, and by today's standards, that's not really a big guy. I mean, that's a guy who's gonna maybe uh, maybe make make the team, possibly kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, we use yeah. big hitters nowadays that are six five, six six, six four. 245, 270 pounds. I mean, it's just it's a lot different game, and I'm sure if you had looked at Hank Aaron when he first got signed by the Braves in Milwaukee back in the mid 1950s, you know, just by looking at him, you probably would think, okay, this is a guy Is he going to make the team. He's not he's not very well um, bulked up, or you know, whatever the case is. And lo and behold, I'll make the argument that he's the greatest hitter in baseball history because. He had 3,771 career hits. If you take away his 755 home runs, he still has 3,000 hits. And he just played the game in a remarkable way. Um, oddly enough, he never hit 50 home runs in a season. He just was a very consistent player in you know, 20-plus All-Star games. Um, you know, There's a, an award named after him now. In fact, uh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves, Won the Hank Aaron Award um, back in, I believe it was November when they announced that. So I'm going to miss him for a lot of reasons. I think probably the bigger ones are the life stuff because I think he is a, a, a model of shake off the things that are distracting to you. Kind of like Daryl said, you're going to get, you're going to get, if you let those things take you down, they're going to take you down. And I think Hank Aaron did a great job of representing not allowing the distractions and the negative things in life to steal your joy and to take away from, you know, what you want to be. And I actually had a a good opportunity. I didn't get to meet them, unfortunately, but two years ago, this coming March, uh, the Braves trained down in uh, Northport, which is kind of down near, like, Venice, that part of Florida. And I went to their first game at their new facility, and Hank Aaron happened to be there, and – I just happened to be standing in the right place. He actually, uh, with a number of people around him, of course, he, he had an entourage too, so um, he had a, a group of people who were uh, helping escort him out to his uh, his vehicle as he was uh, driving back up to uh, to Atlanta. So I got to be pretty close to him at least. So it was kind of a neat uh, a neat experience to see a living legend like that. And um, it's not just the Braves. It's not just Atlanta or
2: Milwaukee
1: uh, or you know, Braves fans that are going to miss him. Major League Baseball is going to miss him, and I think our country is going to miss him, uh, miss him a lot. He was a national treasure, and um, I'd say probably the greatest ambassador to our great sport of baseball uh, that we've just maybe seen in our lifetimes at least.
0: Yes, and you said it just right. I mean, the baseball world is definitely mourning a, a great loss of a a legend, and, and you know, guys like, like Hank Aaron, he paved the way for – Daryl and, you know, Eric Davis, myself, I mean, because they, regardless of what people think, when you're a black person, especially in that era, and you're doing, you're in the spotlight, indirectly, you represent all black people, you're one person, but people Mm -hmm. looking at you, being Hank Aaron, how you respond to things, and they'll make the assumption that that's how all black people respond to things, and that sometimes is unfair, You know, but he handled oh, it, is, it with grace
1: 100%. and class. And, and you know, if you go back and look, there's some documentaries that have come out over the last 25 years or so. Um, you know, as he approached the late 60s, early 70s, and the mathematicians were starting to look at it, or statisticians were starting to look at hey, this guy has a chance to, to surpass a record that nobody thought would ever fall. You know, the death threats, and the letters, and the the things people were saying in the stands and the, you know, the one thing I've always found so interesting, if you watch, and I've seen it on TV today probably a hundred times because it's on all the sports networks right now, you know, his great moments of his career. One of the things that I think he did have a little bit of fear about as he got closer to the record was that somebody might try to do something to him, try to harm him. Um, I've seen that clip or that, um, part of an interview that he did many years ago where he talked about that after he hit the home run number 715 in April of 2000, or sorry, April 8th of uh, 1974 uh, which was before either you or I were around um, as he got around second base there was two young men um, you know obviously was the 70s, they had kind of the, the 70s look, they came running yeah. around and they caught up with him and They were just wanting to congratulate him. They were really excited that he had done it, and obviously it was probably not the right thing for them to be out there doing that, but I remember him talking about how it kind of caught him off guard a little bit. And, you know, thankfully they weren't there to harm him. They were there to congratulate him, but it was one of those moments where he was a little bit scared. He was a little bit nervous because he didn't know what was going to happen. So I think that he he handled things so well. And then after his career was over as a player – you know, he went into the front office, and he, he helped uh, – a lot of people don't know this. He really helped develop some of the players that the Braves had in the 80s and even into the 90s. He was a big instrumental part in drafting Dale Murphy, who won two MVPs in the 80s. He also was instrumental in the Braves when they had the number one pick in 1990, and they took Chipper Jones. He was very instrumental talking to Bobby Cox, the manager at the time, or the GM at the time, about taking – Chipper Jones, and look, that became a Hall of Fame career as well. So um, my favorite thing about Hank Aaron is just the thing that I think about him the most, and I'm actually watching the program right now on my, my tablet that I have here, just that number 44. There's just something about those two numbers together that just always has been nice. And I have in my office here, my little studio, I have a, a supersized 1957 Hank Aaron rookie card on my wall that I've had for probably 20 years, and I've always looked up at that, and it just it's, it's a neat thing to have. I have a uh, baseball card from probably 20 years ago that actually has a piece of his jersey on the card itself from the 1972 uh, MLB All-Star game. So there's a lot of neat remnants and memorabilia out there, but I think the thing I'm going to take away from Hank Aaron's life and career, again, is just that he... You see know, guys today that are sometimes, you know, fool of themselves and they think that they're the team and they're the show and it's all about them. Hank Aaron was never any of those things. He wanted to win. He wanted to hit that runner home from third base to help his team win. He wanted to lift up his teammates. And I think as a person and as a, as a teammate and a player, his mentality towards playing the game of baseball and also towards just being in life. we got to lift each other up is something that's always going to be, I think, part of his legacy more than anything else.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, his, he's just a man, just a great man, and, you know, Hank Aaron will definitely be best. And one of the things uh, that really inspired me to – when I used to play baseball, and I, I'm when I used to play baseball, they – back then it wasn't too many black people playing baseball so it wasn't uncommon for me to be one of many on the field and me being a minority being black I have to think you know videos and guys like, like Hank Aaron you know they they went through it so they inspire me you can do it and and you're absolutely right Hank Aaron never you know they're, they're two separate contrasts you know I watched a lot of documentaries on Bay Roof and saw his swing and yeah, you know, he used to swing like you know, taking the big, big cuts, and he had um, he you know he was a play for the Red Sox and then for the Yankees and you know, legend himself and and Hank Aaron was was a consistent guy and he understood technique and solid contact. You know, he didn't swing hard. He actually choked up a little bit and you like you mentioned, he wasn't a big guy, but he was consistent and just. It just goes to show you, if you're chasing something, you want to achieve something. There's different styles to get to where you need to go. As long as you stay consistent, you're true to the game, and that's one thing about baseball. If you're true to baseball and you and you treat it that way, it'll be true to you. But I just think you're absolutely right. He's going to be missed, and our prayers and condolences go out to the entire Hank Aaron family, his friends, his family, Major League Baseball. All of the players. I saw some great posts and some, some, you know, some some great words from from a lot of the players. Even Barry Bonds, he put a nice post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely it's something that um, affected a lot of people. But so he will be missed. Even well, today I know. That, it's a, um...
1: I, was going to say, I know before even this week started, we had completely different plans for how today's show was going to go. We were going to talk about the NFL playoffs, and we'll talk about that here briefly in a moment. Um, I kind of talked about this just very briefly before. I don't want to leave him out because he was certainly a very important part of the game, too. Um, earlier this week, as we, as we talked about here a little bit ago, uh, those who don't know who he was, he played – mainly in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but Don Sutton, who had a Hall of Fame career and really a Hall of Fame broadcast career as well. He did pass away, as I mentioned, at 75. Um, anybody who, like myself, grew up watching Braves games on PBS, listening to Braves radio, this is a guy that Darrell uh, probably faced him because he played uh, played for the Astros in the mid-80s, and the Astros and the Dodgers, or the Astros and the Mets, rather, were were um, going at each other for for a little bit there uh, through uh, probably the mid-'80s, I want to say. Um, But Don Sutton, like I mentioned before, he really, um, just as a broadcaster, did such a terrific job of illustrating the game from a player's perspective and then translating it into a fan who's not just listening to the game, but he's also feeling like he's right there and had an opportunity to meet Don a couple times over the years always a very nice guy, really personified, you know, that true gentleman type of, of, uh, of feel, and, you know, went out of his way to talk to you, sign autographs, you know, those sorts of things. And a couple of things just to point out about him real quickly is, believe it or not, all the great pitchers the Dodgers have ever had in their history, Don Sutton is the winningest pitcher that that team has ever had. The Dodgers have, you know, had a lot of great, names over the years. You know, you talk about Sandy Koufax and, you know, Don Drysdale and so on and so forth. And then even today, Clayton Kershaw, for Don Sutton, who won 300 plus, I think it's 324 games, um, to be the guy who's the top of the the list for their franchise, is pretty remarkable. And he'll certainly be missed because um, I still now watch a lot of Braves baseball, obviously, as a fan. And I'll be honest with you, there's, a, there's times where I'll turn the game off of my TV and actually just put the radio on because I wanted to listen to him. And, uh, unfortunately, now he's gone. So so he is gone. Uh, we certainly, um, as I mentioned before, lost to Nico earlier in the year. Tommy Lasorda, longtime Dodgers manager uh, and coach, uh, he passed away here a couple weeks back as well. So, unfortunately – as we let off at the beginning of our show here, Alan, tonight, Major League Baseball in the Hall of Fame in 2020, and all the losses we saw back in, in that year, has unfortunately carried over here into 2021, and, um, you know, it's unfortunately the fourth or fifth time we've let off a show with, uh, with this unfortunate news. Um, I do want to get your thoughts here before we go tonight on the NFL playoffs, we have the AFC and NFC championship games, and there were rivals on this big one here going on on Sundays. <laughs> yes. The early game, it's the Packers and the Bucks. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is going to be a big game. snow snowing, I believe, up there. Bucks are not typically a great team in the colder weather. How do you feel this is going to go here on Sunday?
0: I think it's going to be a great game, and it's going to be uh, definitely a career defining moment for either Brady. Or Aaron Rodgers. That's what I think. I think this is a huge game. If if the Bucks are able to win this game and go to the Super Bowl and bring it back here to Tampa, I think I think they have a. I know I know you're a Packers fan, and but I, I have the Bucks winning this game. I know that they won early in the year, but you know that was weeks ago. Both teams are playing a lot better. I just feel as if Levante David and Devin is going to step up and make a play and that's it's going to be a very close game. This is not going to be this is going to be a very very close game. I expect to be highly competitive. It's not going to be like last game where you know you have it was pretty one-sided. It's not going to be like that. I think it's going to be a very close game. The big pieces to this game are going to be two it's gonna be really gonna be Aaron Jones, you know, Aaron Rod and Aaron Rodgers, yeah. as well as Devontae yeah. Adams. Those are gonna be the three big perks for, for the Packers, for the Bucks, Tom Brady and Gronk. They got it. they gotta convert on that, that long throw. They just a little bit off. They need to make a couple of big plays in this game to help their team out. Mike Evans is gonna be there and also, AB I should mention has been ruled out. He won't be playing for this game, so that's kind of a loss for the Bucks. But I I see the Bucks winning this game. I think it's going to be a very very close game, and I think Brady's going to tell these guys how to play in the cold weather because that's going to be the biggest thing. How they play in that cold weather it might be snow, but I just feel as if it's just the Bucks are going to going to pull it out and win this game. It's going to be a close game. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a close game. And I, I think that uh, Brady, because he has the experience of playing in the snow, obviously the years he spent in, uh, in uh, New England. And, of course, we all go back to the tuck roll game back in 2001 and what that led to a dynasty basically uh, being born. I think a little bit the opposite. I think the offense for the Bucks will do very well. I think their defense is going to have some problems playing in this weather, not knowing where to go. Uh, it's going to be a little bit, um, you know, mixed, um, I think the matchups are going to be a little bit difficult for the Bucks to, to do on, def- on the defensive side of the football. And the thing, too, that you have to always keep in mind that is such a great thing for Aaron Rodgers, he is so good at catching the defense off guard. You know, that quick snap when there's a 12th man on the field or a guy offside or – you know, reading the defense quickly coming to the line and changing the play, I think that's going to be the difference. And I, I also see, too, and we saw this a little bit last week, and I think that, that Brady and the Bucks got a little bit lucky in that also Drew Brees is having some issues himself. I just see Brady having a little bit of a problem throwing the ball deep. And I think if they can't get a couple of deep plays in this game, it's going to be kind of hard because Green Bay does have those big playmakers on their side, and they also have the, for me, the better success playing in the snow, just Green Bay. So that's kind of a natural thing. I think Brady's going to throw a pick late in the game, you know, midway or almost to the end of the fourth quarter, and I think the Packers are going to win the game. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as we think. So I think like 27 to 17, maybe 24 to 14, something like that. I think a 10-point game that I'm I'm going to pick uh, Green Bay. And I realize that the Bucks did, you know, wear us down in the game in Tampa back in October. i um, not going to make any excuses. Packers just didn't show up for that game. That, that's all there is to say about it. I think that it's hard, though, to beat a team, especially a team as red-hot as the Packers are. It's hard to beat them like, a second time, especially when they've played as well as they have, and also when you're having to go on the road and do it in an environment that you're not really accustomed to. So I have, um, I have Green Bay, winning that one. I really think that the matchup in the AFC is probably as good as we've seen in a long time. I mean, I know we've seen a few years back the Patriots and the Chiefs play. Patriots ended up winning, I think it was two years ago. Um, I really like both teams. I mean, I absolutely love Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the most talented quarterback we've seen in a long, long time. I mean, this guy is... I, I wouldn't be shocked if he won several more Super Bowls before his career is over and set all kinds of passing records and you know, those sorts of things. Also love seeing what they're doing in Buffalo. I mean, the Bills haven't been this good since both you and I were a lot younger than we are now. So <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think you can make an argument for any of the four teams that are left. You know, if you said, hey, I think the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl or the Packers or the, the Bills or the Chiefs. I think you can make a good argument for all four teams. I just think, though, at the end of the day, because this game is in Kansas City, which weather shouldn't have an impact on either team because they're both used to playing in cold temperatures. I just think the experience, this is a third consecutive uh, AFC championship game for the Chiefs. The Bills are just kind of they're getting their feet wet with this. A year from now, if they play again, might be a different story, but I think the Chiefs are going to pull it out um, and come home with, uh, with going through their second consecutive Super Bowl. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and say that I think that we will see a rematch of Super Bowl one here in a couple weeks in Tampa?
0: You know, I, I definitely, on um, the AFC side, I, I agree with you. I just think the Chiefs and Bills are very, very good teams, but I do think this is going to be a situation where experience is going to kind of matter. I do think Josh Allen's going to be a little nervous. This is a big game. You're playing in Kansas City, which is a bit intimidating right off the bat. I just feel as if the nervousness is going to seep in a little bit. And I, I just feel as if, you know, when the the Chiefs really got a blessing to get past the Browns, they were a very, very tough team. The Browns were playing a great game. Things were not going well against the Chiefs. You had a lot of guys out. And then they only scored one touchdown and got a bunch of field goals. I don't expect that to happen again. I think Mahomes is gonna execute. They're gonna learn from what they their mistakes in the red zone were against the Browns. They're gonna execute even better. And I just feel as if they're gonna they're gonna get the job done against the Bills. The Bills are a very, very good team. Stefan Diggs, hats off to him. He's a great player. I love to have him on the show. He was on my final fantasy team. He helped me win the championship. But I just feel as if this is a game, no disrespect to the Bills, Mafia, or or anything like that, it's just, I just feel as if the Chiefs, where this is where Patrick Mahomes is going to show you why he's the MVP. I mean, he may not get it this year, but he's going to show why he is one of the best players in the league and why he got paid so much money, half a billion dollars. I think he's going to make a couple <laughs> plays in this game <laughs> and carry them into the Super Bowl. So I do believe Kansas City is going to beat the Bills. I agree with you on that and advance. Uh, so I have the Bills versus the – have. i I'm sorry. I have, I have Kansas City versus the Bucks, And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to see in the Super Bowl. It should be a great weekend of football, though, either way.
1: Yeah, it's going to be uh, very exciting. In fact, the thing I think that's so nice about this year is we're not seeing, other than maybe Kansas City, we're not really seeing the usual suspects, if you will. I mean, yeah, Green Bay was in the conference title game last year, but, you know, it's not not the same. You know, AFC, I mean, really you go back outside of Kansas City these last couple years, it's been for, I want to say, like 12 out of 15 years it was either New England, Pittsburgh, or Indianapolis, and you get Denver in there a couple times too. But the, you have three teams that for 12 years dominated the AFC. And so now to see a, a changing of the guard and to, to watch a guy, like I said before, you, you can't be a football fan and not – maybe you don't like the Chiefs, but you can't be a football fan and not love Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this guy is just, I mean, great leader and, you know, athleticism, you know, Obviously, his dad was a, a big-league ball player back in the 90s with the Mets and several other clubs, but um, this is athleticism. And obviously, if you were a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, this is the best quarterback you've had probably ever. You've had some great quarterbacks come through KC, but um, you know, this is a guy you're probably going to be retiring his number when he's done kind of thing. So um, I agree. I think that the, the, the Bills are kind of like what the Chiefs were about two years ago when they played against the Patriots in the AFC title game. They have all the talent, they're great, they're heading in the right direction, they're going to be good for a long time, but the experience isn't quite there yet. They're still kind of babies, if you will, they're in their infancy. So I think that if this is the same matchup a year, maybe two years from now, Buffalo is going to be a much better team. They're going to have a lot more experience, and I think it's a better matchup, But I just think that, like you said, the experience factor comes into play. That's going to make a huge, huge difference. Um, but I'm going to go back and say it's going to be a – an all-time historical matchup, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay, will be Green Bay Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, we'll talk about how that game will go next week when that is the matchup. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, you can't get a guy who's a Packers fan to get off of that, but <laughs> I respect that. I mean, it's going to be a great game. Both teams – have to execute. Whether you're the Bucks or the Packers, you have to execute. I am a little. I agree with you. I am a little nervous as far as Brady making that, especially in the snow. I, you know, you're, Aaron, you're a with just like I am. When Brady said it, his his blood has thinned out since he's been here to Florida, and that happens. That's a real thing. I thought that was such. I thought it was such not the truth. When people used to say that when they moved to Florida from a cold state, you know, I thought it was a way to brag, but it's not. It's true. When you start living here in Florida, you don't start liking the cold weather. You start hating it. And Brady <laughs> needs to bring back something of his, of the old school and from the Patriots and have a and he has to execute because if he, if he overthrows Gronk or, or, or Mike and he doesn't make a couple plays down the field – the Bucks are gonna be in a lot of trouble. He's gonna to have to make those long throws down the field at least at eighty five or eighty percent completion ratio, something like that. He's gonna to have to execute. And I'm rooting for the Bucks and Brady to advance. I think that will be that would make wonders for him you know, in his career to go this far without Belichick. I mean he's already made his point. But I just think to, to, get to, the, to get to the Super Bowl, that would be outstanding. But in order to do that, you got to beat the Packers, and that's not going to be an easy matchup. You mentioned about the earlier time they played. I think that's – yes, they, they had a great game. I watched that game, but that game was that, – that game felt like five years ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Both teams are playing better. Don't expect Aaron Rodgers to do like that twice, especially being that he played them already. Absolutely. and i agree with that's you fair. if the bucks that's hold right. their hand yeah. on on that if, i agree with that i if if brady was right if if the bucks hold their hat on that that victory in in week 5 you know it, it, that's going to be a recipe for disaster
1: absolutely i, I think i think we're going to see two really great competitive games played uh this weekend so next friday we'll be back here again same time same place you can catch us on uh uh, to um, Blog Talk Radio and, then, of course, through our, um, our links there on Facebook. We'll put those up here as the week goes on. And we'll be talking about what will now be the Super Bowl matchup a uh, week from now. Uh, we're, we're a little over two weeks away from Super Bowl 55 there in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. So I want to thank those for listening tonight. Again, a special thank you to Daryl Strawberry, uh, one of my all-time favorite players. Definitely appreciate him joining the show here tonight. Um, We thank you all for listening and joining in. If you didn't catch the entire show, we will post links on our Facebook page again uh, to be able to re-listen to either the entire show, or if you just want to catch clips here and there, you can do that as well. So tonight, for Daryl Strawberry, our special guest, for my great friend Alan, this is Aaron. Thank you so much for listening, and you all have a great evening. 18 plus.